Welcome to The Shape of Care. I'm Mindy Freed, and it's great to be with you today. I hope you're able to stay safe and that you're finding some balance in caring for your own needs and caring for other people. During this period, I'm doing a series of interviews with caregivers and care workers to see how they're coping. We're all trying to muddle through how to live each day safely and how to stay in touch with people we love and care about. We still have day-to-day things that ground us, like family and friends, nature, projects, or work, but it's really hard. In today's episode, I'm talking with my friend, Lori Sheridan. You may remember Lori from season one. Lori cared for her husband, Ira, who had Parkinson's disease. I say had because sadly, Ira passed away a couple months ago. Initially, Lori was providing care for Ira 24-7, but eventually she started bringing in some home care workers who were really helpful. As Lori talks about in season one, they even became a part of her social life. Hey, Lori, are you there? Uh, I'm at home, like everybody. I'm in my kitchen sitting at the table. So, Lori, I'm really sorry that Ira died a couple months ago. Um, What what timing, huh? This was before the pandemic affected everybody so intensely. How, How has it been dealing with the grief from losing Ira and then kind of bumping up against this period of of a health crisis? It was very hard at first being alone in the house for the first time. And and suddenly, even though he had been in hospice for six months, but it's actually harder now, much harder because of the coronavirus. I had two months of a, a newfound freedom where I could travel and see my grandkids for the first time in a while. And I could see friends and I made a few short trips. And then the door banged shut on me and everybody else I know. And now I can't leave the house much and I can't see people and I can't see my grandkids except on electronic media and my friends the same. So I'm doing a whole new adjustment again, you know, which is hard. And it's especially hard because today would have been the day that I was scheduled to have a memorial service for Ira, which I've had to cancel for obvious reasons. So I'm finding other ways to do that, reschedule and have set up a website to celebrate his life and allow people to share their memories and photos and stories, which is comforting, as is talking to you and being part of Shape of Care. It is comforting in itself. Yeah, well, I'm really glad. I I think one thing that struck me is, you know, the timing, obviously, and, and, you know, what if he were still alive today? What, what, I mean, maybe that's kind of silly projection, but what, what might that have been like? I've actually been thinking about it constantly and daily because I wonder what, I think I know what it would have been like. It would have been horrible for him with the fear and terrible isolation. And it would have been horrible for me in the sense that I would have to make very excruciating decisions about allowing caregivers in the house or not, not knowing whom else they had been with, but also being overwhelmed with the chore of taking care of him totally alone, which I'm not sure I could have managed. So much as I miss him every day, I'm glad since he was about to die anyway that he, he and I both didn't have to experience that. Cause I, and I know people who are in the throes of it right now, so it reminds me all the time of what I just narrowly avoided. Kind of a, a mixed blessing, I guess, right? I'm actually glad that that he didn't have to go through this. It just would have been horrible. I know you've talked also about the strong connections that you've made with the home care workers who are coming to your home over the past few years. What was that like, you know, after he died and they were no longer needed in the house? 
Um, it was very hard to tell them, although I was glad, and one of them was there literally when he died, as, as was I in the room. And then he had an overnight caregiver who was due to come that night, and I had to call her and tell her that he had passed away and, and not to come. And that was, we all knew he was dying that week or so, we just didn't know he was dying that day. And it was hard for her to hear, and it was hard for me to tell her, because we were really close, you know, I, she'd been coming for three years. And so she came anyway, <laughs> and we <laughs> and we spent, well, which was wonderful, you know, she needed to do it, and I needed it too, because I was suddenly alone, except for the cat. And so we opened <laughs> we opened a bottle of uh, liqueur and, and toasted Ira, <laughs> and then, you know, she went home to her family, and I was alone, but it actually helped me over that hurdle. But the next day when I got up and it was just me and the cat and no aides in the house and no Ira, of course, it was very silent and very, very painful. I had never actually lived alone all these years between roommates and the husband and family and kids and everything. And I, and I known this was coming. I mean, one of the awful but good things about Parkinson's is you have typically many, many years to prepare for the end and the loss, but it's still a shock when someone actually dies from one minute to the next and one day to the next. I mean, I think it's just hard to imagine, you know, when you're still sitting in the midst of it and involved, in all, even if you can, you can try to imagine it. I was too busy to imagine anything. It was full-time job for me taking care of, of him along with the caregiver because he was so desperately ill. It, not just the Parkinson's, but I got the flu in early January, and he, he probably caught it for me, and he got pneumonia for the fifth time that year, and antibiotics didn't work anymore. We'll never know whether it was the flu or the coronavirus, but I'm sort of putting that aside in my mind. He'd been in hospice. He was actually in the the last day of the six-month period that hospice I had recertified him the week before, knowing he you know, was easy to recertify because he was on his way out. So he, he maximized his time in hospice. Well, they would have renewed it, but it was just weird. Lori, I know you've been part of a support group for the past five years. Uh, um, are you still going to that group? I'm still going, and I was planning to continue just a little more. I don't know how long I will continue, but we are meeting electronically for obvious reasons. It's, it's comforting, and I get suggestions from people, but also I can compare my life with theirs because they're still caring for someone and making very difficult decisions about how to care for someone at home or manage someone's care in a facility, a nursing home or a memory care unit under very, very difficult circumstances. So how, how is it going for some of your friends in that group? What are the kinds of issues they're dealing with? They're all pretty overwhelmed, and it's their lives have gotten much harder and scarier because in almost every case, there's at least one home health aide coming in the home, so the care partner has to make the decision about how safe that is and for both the patient and themselves and for the caregiver also because there's so many people with coronavirus who are asymptomatic, so you may not know. So people are doing what they can um, in terms of personal protective equipment and helping supply the the aid with what's needed, but also checking them in case they have symptoms or a fever. And in most cases, people have decided somehow manage on their own without an aid, which can be very difficult and also unsafe. And it can be totally overwhelming because if someone is 
has Parkinson's that's advanced enough, they're probably incontinent. They have memory loss. They may be pretty immobile and have frequent falls. And that's very hard on a care partner who may be older themselves and maybe smaller because it's the typical scenario is someone who's female taking care of a larger male, larger husband or partner. And you can really hurt your back. I know I did in the past a lot with Ira. That's one of the main reasons I started hiring aides to help me. It was just too much. And emotionally, the strain can be huge. And that's what they're experiencing now, those who are caring for the partner alone. Because you have no break, no relief, you can't go anywhere, and maybe you can't sleep at night, so you're very, very sleep-deprived and tired. And that's what I'm hearing. But it's a hard balance, and it's a hard choice to decide whether to continue to have assistance assistance from an aid or two, or whether to try to do it all yourself. So I'm just wondering for you, Lori, are there ways that you can find pockets of joy these days? Oh, sure. In fact, uh, next week I'm getting on a virtual birthday party for my youngest grandson who is turning one. I can't see him, but we can all you know, be together online. <laughs> My group or book groups are all meeting online. Um, I do have dinner with friends sometimes on FaceTime, which is kind of fun. <laughs> and um, I take walks. I am allowing myself to visit one or two people who have no exposure themselves. And I live alone, so I'm not a big risk. And I take walks with one or two people, widely spaced, And um, I've even used the time to try to pick a spot for a memorial to Ira in Forest Hill Cemetery, which is a lovely place to walk. And so, yeah, life is good in some ways. I just I just miss him terribly. And um, and, but it's hard for all of us now. And I also take some pleasure in, (laughs) believe it or not, learning some new skills. And I think many of us are in electronic communication and virtual communication because we're all getting better at it. I don't know what I'd do without, you know, FaceTime and social media and uh, different ways of communicating from my house, because that's where I am. I go out very little. Well, you know, it's good to hear where you are finding joy. And I think that it's it's so important for us to to find joy in this in this particular moment, whether it's in connecting with people or I don't know, lately I've been listening to more music. I'm a bad piano player, but I still like to play and that gives me joy. So, you know, whatever it is to remind us of who we are and what we can do to make ourselves feel connected, I think that's so, so important. So thank you so much, Lori, for talking to me today. And I, I appreciate that you share so openly what's going on in your mind. I think it's helpful for everybody to hear So for people who are listening, if you have questions or comments or suggestions to me for somebody that you think I should interview, maybe it's even you, uh, please be in touch at contact at theshapeofcare.org. That's contact at theshapeofcare.org. And I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Take care.